Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hello, listeners. We are celebrating pioneering women in this episode. This August 18th was the Women's Right to Vote Centennial. So August 18th of 1920, Tennessee was the 36th state needed to ratify the 19th Amendment, allowing women the right to vote. And in this episode, we're going to be celebrating women who are pioneers and also wanted to remind you about my book that is coming out October 1. It's available for pre-order as a, an ebook on Amazon called How Pharmacists Lead, Answers from Women to Watch Who Are Leading, Succeeding, and Impacting Pharmacy. I hope you'll check it out and enjoy this episode on women in pharmacy and women and the right to vote. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Lucy Adkins. She is the Director of Pharmacy Practice Initiatives at the Tennessee Pharmacist Association. Dr. Adkins earned her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy at East Tennessee State University, and she began her pharmacist career as TPA, Tennessee Pharmacist Association's Executive Resident in Association Management and Health Policy. After her residency, she joined the staff at TPA in her current role. In this role, Dr. Adkins has built relationships with TPA members and partners and provided support and resources to them while managing several grants and opportunities aimed at increasing patient access to pharmacist-provided care and elevating the standards of care within pharmacy practice in Tennessee. She's a current member of TPA, APHA, American Pharmacist Association, and NCPA, um, and sits on the One Tennessee Board of Directors, as well as serves on numerous committees uh, as part of her role. Dr. Atkins currently resides in Nashville and is to be married to Eric Shell, a fellow pharmacist in September. So, Lucy, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much, Hillary. It is um, a distinct honor to be here and talking with you today. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Yeah, sure. So I guess the most interesting thing is getting married in a pandemic. It's been uh, an interesting ride, but um, I did meet my fiance, Eric, at in pharmacy school. So um, we've been together seven years about to get married, but neither of us really had family that was in um, in pharmacy and we're both excited to be a part of the pharmacy family now. Um, my family is actually my father and grandfather. He's actually recently retired. My grandfather of um, he practiced dentistry in my small town in Hopkinsville, Kentucky um, for 65 years. So he just turned 94 last month. Uh, and they were always so proud of me that I went into healthcare. None of my other siblings did. None of my other um, cousins did. So I am the lone healthcare provider in my family besides my father and grandfather. So um, whenever I 
grew was growing up in Hawkinsville. I did work in a small pharmacy just as the cashier didn't think much about it. But um, during during college, I really kind of felt the pull to go to pharmacy school. So that's kind of how I ended up in pharmacy. So it's been a it's been good to me this far. And I um, I really appreciate Dr. Cost for hiring me as at the association. I was one of his first hires on his staff and he became executive director back in 2015. So it's been fun. Yeah. Well, um, it is, it's always fun to hear how people get into pharmacy and, um, especially into association work. So, um, yeah, first, you know, we'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, what drew you to doing the executive resident position with the Tennessee Pharmacist Association, and then maybe you could share just a little bit more about your current role. Absolutely. So I have always had a love for community pharmacy. That's where I kind of started out in pharmacy um, with my first um, pharmacy job was in a independently owned community pharmacy that still operates today um, in Hopkinsville. And it, it, there is just something about being able to work hand in hand with your patients and face to face and going through important life moments with them and guiding them through decisions with their health um, that I absolutely loved. Um, but while I was in my far- final year of pharmacy school, I really started feeling drawn to do a little bit something different with my career. And one of my rotations was with Dr. Brian Cross and Dr. Mackenzie Calhoun. And they really started to challenge me and on different things and different opportunities that were out there. And at the time, um, TPA had the executive residency and I, I didn't think I was qualified. Honestly, I didn't really have enough faith in myself, but I kind of took a, took a leap and reached out there and I ended up getting it. And it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Uh, it really does kind of help fit a lot of the different, um, strengths that I feel like I have as a pharmacist and really gives me the opportunity to make change happen. Um, this time, maybe not directly with my patients, but with other pharmacists in Tennessee. So I absolutely love what I get to do on a daily basis. Um, in my current role, we, um, I help kind of support Micah with a lot of different things that he does as far as policy goes. Um, but also I help try to manage a lot of grants that we have going on. One of the biggest one is around diabetes education. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. That we have with the Department of Health and the CDC. And then we also have other grant partners um, with uh, PTCB, um, NACDS, the National Association of Trained Drug Stores. We've had a couple different grants and opportunities with them to really kind of look at different innovative models and how that they can fit work in Tennessee. And then how can we change policy to make these unique things happen? And how can we make this work in our state? Just because every state is so different. Um, the different rules and policies and politics that go into change um, is 
is is kind of wild to me how uh, how much work goes into just a simple change. So um, it's really exciting to kind of see that from the ground up. You know, a lot of times pharmacists just kind of see after it after it happens, but really all the work that goes into it, all the relationships um, that have to be made and formed in order for change to happen in our profession um, is really exciting to get to see. I'll also yeah. work a little bit with education um, at the association and helping um, with the professional development. So a lot of the times it's kind of, to me, a continuum, right? Like policy happens, then pharmacists have to be educated on what that policy change is and how to implement into that into their practice. So really kind of going from the idea and the thought that goes out there into how to implement it into their current workflow. I love that you shared that because that it is so important, you know, just because a law gets changed and someone's, you know, now we're eligible to do this, uh, the education has to follow for implementation. Um, so that is so uh, important that you, um, that, you, that TPA has identified that and, and you're able to help uh, guide pharmacists. So some of the, this has been a very big um policy year uh, with a lot of changes. The, the pandemic, of course, has um, caused a lot of changes in, in how we deliver care, right? We've uh, changed to a little bit more of, of the virtual space. And um, there's some new updates uh, that have just recently happened with um, telepharmacy and, and providing um, diabetes education uh, through that. Um, and then, um, I believe another, uh, another telehealth, uh, related thing, um, for, specifically for Tennessee, um, could you speak to, to those two things? These are pretty hot, uh, hot on the news, uh, within the last week or so that it, that has been approved. Right. So, um, one, obviously one of the big grants that we do work on with CDC and um, the Department of Health is that as a, a grant kind of surrounding diabetes education, DSMES um, is kind of the term for that. So that was really exciting for us to see. Um, there's been a lot of challenges with that grant. We've um, had two different grants kind of associated with that. And getting pharmacists accredited and ready to provide diabetes education has been the easy part. The hard part has kind of been getting them reimbursed for those services that they offer. So kind of seeing that policy change at the federal level was exciting. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the telemedicine and telehealth. So having pharmacists specifically called out and recognize that, hey, yes, pharmacists can offer these services in um, these telehealth settings has been really huge for us because we we do hope that after all of this is kind of said and done, we're going to look back at all these po different policies that we've had to change or waive or alter to make it right for the moment. And why were those policies and why were they in place in the first place? Why were there barriers to patients getting care? And how can we kind of change some of those going forward so that they don't continue to be barriers? Um, I think that that's going to be one of the bright spots, I hope, of the pandemic and all of this craziness that has happened in 2020 is really the change in the way, um, the, the innovation that's going to come out of the pandemic and how we better serve our patients. Yeah, well, thank, yeah, thank you for sharing a little bit more on that. Uh, definitely uh, some silver linings uh, that, have, that have happened because, you know, we've been talking about 
changes in healthcare for a while and, and, and something like this uh, really has been a catalyst. Um, and I think we can really prove ourselves and uh, all the great things that pharmacists do, of course. So it is a really important day in, uh, well, a- across the U.S., but particularly we've been celebrating in, in Tennessee on the women's suffrage movement uh, since Tennessee was the 36th state to uh, needed to ratify the 19th Amendment, which was the women's right to vote. Um, so, yeah, and, and we're actually doing the recording on on the actual anniversary, which is August 18th. Um, so, a hundred years ago, uh, that was the date that um, that actually happened here in Nashville, uh, the Tennessee, the Tennessee capital. So, Lucy, maybe we can talk a little bit about um, the women's suffrage movement, and and then maybe a little bit more about kind of some pioneers in, in women's history too. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, whenever we kind of set this podcast up, I started researching a little bit more about the women's suffrage unit uh, movement. Originally, like I said earlier, I'm not from Tennessee. So really learning about the role that Tennessee played in all of this um, was really exciting for me. And I actually watched the reenactment today um, on the anniversary at the Tennessee Capitol. And I really encourage anyone to watch it. It was really educational. It was well done. And it really kind of it wasn't an easy thing. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty uncertainty around the vote if it was going to happen or not. And I just think, you know, that was only 100 years ago. Um, my grandfather, I mentioned earlier, he, he just turned 94. While that wasn't in his lifetime, that was just a little bit before. So his mother um, would have been really impacted by that. So I just think about it, it wasn't really that long ago. Um, and in the state of Tennessee, so we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit about women's suffrage, but a little bit about pharmacy, women pharmacy leaders in Tennessee. So the first pharmacist graduated pharmacy school, woman pharmacist in Tennessee um, in 1914. Her name was Emma Hutchinson. And I just think that she went to pharmacy school. She was able to provide um, care to patients, and yet she couldn't even vote. <laughs> you know, so it, it's crazy to think of all the changes that have happened in healthcare and in our nation um, just in a short period of time. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I love that you mentioned um, that, you know, maybe not your grandfather, but his his mother, because it was a mother that really made the impact on uh, what there was. There was a, a Tennessee senator, um, Harry Byrne, uh, who cast the deciding vote thanks to a persuasive letter from his mother. So um, I think the the suffragists, um, they had they were kind of pulled into two different camps. Um, Those with yellow roses were the ones that were going to vote yes to approve. And then the ones with the white roses were, were not. And, you know, at the last minute he read this letter from his mother and uh, decided to cast that deciding vote. So um, really neat to see that happen. I think her story is really interesting to whenever I was going back and looking at it, you know, she, 
um, kind of ran her own farm. Basically, she ran her own business. Her business was her farm, and she ran that by herself. She had men that worked on her farm that couldn't even read, but yet they were able to vote. And here she was kind of, you know, with this whole operation and unable to do and do so. But I think one of my favorite things that Harry Burns said, Representative Burns said that next day was a mother's advice is always safest. And I just I just love that. I think that's uh, that's great. Just a way that even though that he respected his mother so much um, and recognized the leadership that she had in his life. Um, I thought that was great. Absolutely. So speaking of, of women trailblazers, um, I think there was another story that, uh, was not too long ago, um, that you were sharing with me and, and would be neat to, to hear a little bit that I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about, um, more, uh, women who were kind of early careerists, I get, or early women at pharmacists in the state and kind of some of their experiences. Yeah. So one of the best parts about my job at the Tennessee Pharmacists Association is I get to meet amazing pharmacists from not only across the nation, but across the state. We really have some great women here in the state who have really kind of stood up for themselves, stood up for pharmacy, advanced pharmacy in so many ways. Um, I have a a funny story and then I'll tell you another one later. But one of my favorite stories I heard recently was um, Dr. Alan Corley and him and his parents came to our office and both his parents are pharmacists. And his mother, um, back in the early 50s, she came to one of our meetings. So we've had our annual meeting now for, I think, 130 something years and um, at our meetings that there was a women's group and then there were the pharmacists, which were always traditionally men. And the women um, had these little pink name tags and all the men, the pharmacists, had blue uh, name tags. Well, she became a pharmacist in the early 50s and she did not want a pink name tag. She wanted a blue name tag. She said, I have worked this hard and I have done all of this work. I want a blue name tag. And it really kind of started to me the, you know, role in the association and in pharmacy in the state of, okay, how are we need to change the way that we operate? We need to change our mindset and the way that we think um, about different things. So I think that that was just an interesting story that she, even though there had been a woman pharmacist in the state for 40 years at least, that they still didn't really feel welcome or comfortable or able to come to um, the big meetings. And back in the early, in the 50s and the 60s, everyone from across the state came to the meetings and any, all the pharmacists, it was kind of um, the thing to do. And there's a lot of interesting history around a lot of our meetings, um, especially during the Great Depression and things like that. Um, but I think that that was a great thing for her to do. But even after that, so that was in the early 50s. It wasn't until 1988 um, that we that TPA had their first woman president, and that was Dr. Bettina Black. And I just think that that is fascinating that there were some um, pharmacists that were women in the health system side um, that you know ran the Tennessee Society of Health System Pharmacists, which used to be its own organization before they came in with us. Um, but Bettina was the first um, woman pharmacist um, as president of the association. And only, I think it was 
Less than six years later, was she then running the association as our first female executive director, which she um, which she did for 20 years. So I think that that is amazing as well that, you know, it took, it felt like it took so long to get to that point, but then there, there were so many women making such a big impact in pharmacy in the state at that point that Bettina was really recognized for all her work that she had done um, and was asked to, asked to come back. She had a great job in Chicago at the time, um, but they asked her to come back to Nashville to help run the association after um, Tom, uh, Tom Sharp Jr. decided it was his time to retire. Hmm. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, so many great uh, stories of women who are, you know, really pioneers uh, in in uh, pharmacy. Um, so, yeah. And then and we've we've had pharmacists, uh, women pharmacists leading, you know, larger organizations like APHA and, and many of the others, um, which is exciting to see too, because uh, we have seen, we have seen trends of more and more women uh, now graduating from pharmacy school classes. So, you know, you mentioned that uh, it was historically all men and and they got their, their blue name badges, but there's certainly been a shift and it's, it is certainly a great career for females. I agree. And I just, and now learning so much about the women's suffrage movement that happened a hundred years ago today and that important vote, it really makes me kind of pause and step back to think, what if that didn't happen? What would our careers now look like? Um, how long would it have taken for the w- women to get the right to vote and really kind of solidify their place in the home and their ability really to kind of speak out um, and do different things? So I really think that we owe a lot to those women that encouraged men um you know, a hundred years ago, because I don't think that we would have the same opportunities that we do now if it wasn't for them. Absolutely. And it, and it took 72 years for that to come to fruition. So, you know, it wasn't really an overnight thing. It was, um, something that was, uh, they had to work on and, uh, there were obviously some, some key players, uh, that, that started at the, the Seneca Falls convention, um, I believe in 1848. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, you know, and just like kind of tying it back to all of all of the things related to policy. So sometimes people don't see all of the hard, hard work and the years and the relationships and things that um, are built along the way. And then, um, you know, there's a bill that's passed or um, something happens and it looks kind of like an overnight success. But um, it's so important, all of the advocacy work um, and, you know, the the value um, that associations provide in really advocating for the profession. And it's so important for members to not only just be a member, uh, but, you know, uh, I have, have thoroughly enjoyed being uh, serving on committees. I think that's a great way for people to um, one, you know, give back and to connect with um, other pharmacists and just to be more aware of some of the issues affecting the profession. So there are a number of ways um, I, that, you know, I can attest to within uh, TPA to be involved and 
uh, hopefully uh, pharmacists out there are taking advantage of those in, in their home states and supporting uh, the pharmacy association so that we can have some of these um, things happen to help change uh, the, the practice and profession of pharmacy. I completely agree, Hillary. I think it all does kind of tie in perfectly. Um, women's suffrage and policy and just the role that citizens can um, have in, cha- in, in change, whether that be women's right to vote or in provider status on the national level. The, the citizens and pharmacists and whoever might be constituents of representatives and senators speaking out, why is this important to you? Why um, why does this matter? How is this going to affect your life, your community's life, your patient's lives, all of those things? And that's why I think advocacy is such an important piece of our profession that unfortunately I feel like it's overlooked a lot. Um, it, it really can make change happen. And I think the women's suffrage unit or movement is a great example of the, how that happened on a national level um, that then get, got pushed down to states. Um, and it was up and then at the end, it was up to the states. So a lot of times when we talk about policy on the national level, a lot of people don't understand how those things kind of play together. How does national and state policy really tie in? And this is kind of a great example. But, you know, things have to get changed at the state and national level to be able to kind of work well together and work harmoniously. So um, it's exciting to kind of see and think about how all of those things um, have kind of played together now and throughout the years. Absolutely. So, Lucy, this has been such a fun conversation and so timely. Um, as as one of our final questions that I love to ask all of our guests is, um, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Take a chance. Um, I was definitely nervous um, to step out of what I had always known that pharmacy was. Uh, I only knew when I started pharmacy school, I joke that I thought that you either you worked in an independently owned pharmacy, you worked in a chain pharmacy, or you worked in the basement of a hospital. That's all I knew. My uh, about pharmacy when I started school. Uh, there's so many opportunities out there in pharmacy and just take a chance. Find something that is interesting to you that you can make a niche and you'll be wildly successful. If you take something you say, this is going to be my thing, it'll, it can be your thing and you can really make a career out of it. And I really encourage people to kind of step outside of that box and see what's out there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. It was a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks so much, Hillary. We'll talk soon. Speaking of women leaders, my new book on women in pharmacy leadership will be available October 1st. You can go ahead and pre-order the ebook, but the paperback book will be available on October 1st, just in time for American Pharmacist Month. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We are going to be relaunching our newsletter, so be sure that you're signed up over at pharmacyadvisory.com. There's a place to sign up for the newsletter, and we're going to be sharing some good content there. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe 
rate and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 